Is that your stomach? That was your stomach. No. He was so your stomach. Liar. I'm my corn. <laughs> I already know what I'm getting. I'm Same. grabbing my corn. Little weirdo. Hey there. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Main Dish Podcast. We are your co hosts. I'm Miley. And I'm Mandy. And uh, we're so happy to have you with us this week. Um, what's new and good? In your world. What's new and good with you? Why do I always got to go first? I was actually asking the audience first and then oh. I was going <laughs> to. You're looking at me. I, well, I like to look at you. You're beautiful <laughs> to look at. I like looking at you too. <laughs> uh, what's new with me? Okay, so most of our listeners probably know that I've been working on my private pilot's license and I have been practicing my takeoffs and my landings and my radio calls and... Uh, my instructor the other day told me that the net, you know, he says that I am uh, moving along at a very good pace. He can see that I'm applying what we learn in ground school to the actual application of flying up in the air. And uh, I'm, I'm right now, I believe I'm at about eight hours wow. of flying. And uh, he says our next milestone is to get you to solo. And so he was telling me that on average, I mean, he's been an instructor for the last two years. And uh, he says that on average, it takes a student about 16 to 18 hours of flying with him before he feels confident that they're capable and competent to safely fly alone. Part of your private pilot's license is you just need to be able to fly on your own. It's called soloing. You need to solo at least 10 hours. The other hours is uh, dual hours where your flight instructor is in the plane with you at all times. So one of the requirements that I also need to meet in, before I sit for my pilot's exam is 10 hours. So he says we really need ten to... 10 solo hours. 10 solo hours. So Dude, he's like, I we really need to get you. That. Yeah. And he's like, we really need to get you like really up to speed so that we can get you flying on your own so that we can, you know, tick that or check that thing off the 10 hour stuff. Yeah. And so he's like, so... We're going to practice a lot of your landings because landings is going to be the probably one of the actually it's one of the most dangerous parts of flying. I mean, once you're in the air, you have, you know, you just need to fly the plane. Taking off is you just wait till you're at the right speed and then you rotate, which means you pull the the yoke back so that the nose of the plane goes up and then you fly. So taking off and flying once you're in the air is actually pretty easy. The hardest part of flying is probably landing. So he's like, we really need to work on your landings because you're you're on your way. You just need to keep practicing your takeoffs and you're really good up in the air uh, where, you, you know, with the experience that you have, you're, you're, you're where you're supposed to be at. But we really need to work on your landing. So we've been working on that. But he says the, bi the next milestone is that I can fly solo. And my goal is to fly solo by my birthday. I think this is the wow. first place That's... that I've announced it to anyone, actually. I've kind of kept it in the back of my mind and didn't tell anybody. And it just came out right now. So I'm that hoping that by my... solo or that, no, that my goal, deadline? Yeah, my goal is to fly solo by my birthday. And I even asked my instructor if he, he thinks it's doable. And he says it's definitely doable. My birthday is end of June. about... Yeah, it's the end of June. So I'm super excited that by the end of June, I will at least have one hour of solo. <laughs> so what's fucked up? Up about your landings right now that he doesn't like oh landings is so 
complicated. Every single landing is different. You will never have the same landing ever sure. because of the angle, speed and velocity, the speed, and the velocity, uh, the velocity, the velocity, <sighs> the um, angle. Yeah, it's just temperature, wind. So every landing is always going to be different. And so I have to be able to uh, take in all of the different factors. And then while, you know, uh, as you're coming in, there's specific speeds that you're supposed to be at or above or under. You have to deal with the, uh, you have to be able to manage the ailerons of the plane. Okay. Our listeners don't really see my nope. hand movements. No one sees you. But I'm I'm uh, mimicking. You're also saying the, words that no one knows. I know. I, I It's the wings of the airplane, the flaps on the wings of the airplane that help slow the plane down while you're landing. Uh, and then the yeah. angle at which you land at. And then you don't want to slam into the ground when you're landing and uh, things like that. So I got to practice a lot on that. But other than that, oh, yeah. And the other day I was doing my radio calls and I was all over the place. <laughs> it was hilarious. And he was like, no I love that you just no uh ohs. But I did mess up a couple times and I was like, oh, thanks. Sorry. <laughs> oh, my word. Yeah. But he says that it's it's good that I'm comfortable on the the radio. Even if I do mm. mess up, he's he's like, I want you to get comfortable talking because the best way to make sure that you're always safe is to always be communicating. Be talking. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. So, yeah, and I, yeah, so been working on it. But yeah, what's new and good with you, Mandy? I really like that message from your instructor. The way to always like to way to always be safe is to always keep talking. Yeah, I feel like that sort of transitions into my good. Oh, yay. OK. I like Good it. New. This is a weird way to talk about it. Um, basically, another one bites the dust this week. Holy shit. Why did you just use that reference? I don't know. It just came out? Like yeah. It just, oh. It came to me earlier when I was thinking about it. Oh, it's been my theme song for the last week. Oh, really? It has been because I was reading something on social media, of course, and it was about like how her dad used to... Um, dance into her room playing this song after a boy had broken up with her and it became her theme song that really gave her strength like you know just because somebody dumps you or rejects you or whatnot like you you know you stand in your power and it's like you know rejection is redirection right and so ever since i saw that meme on on instagram or something like i've been blasting that song everywhere (laughs) i know and i love it and i'm like i want to do a dance to it and it just especially in my moments of you know uh doubting myself or feeling bad about myself or whatever i blast it i'm like fuck the person that i'm thinking about (laughs) fuck you (laughs) and then i i I put up my two middle fingers and i'm like fuck you (laughs) (laughs) so i really like that song but okay (laughs) yeah so today basically another one bites the dust is uh the thing because that happened this week um i don't talk so we talk a lot about like being single and all those things that come with being single, but I don't often talk about like, I don't talk about the people I'm dating on here. It would just be like, it would sound like I'm always dating someone new and that kind (laughs) of gets old. And it's like, does this, what is this girl up to? And it's like, yes, I am often dating someone new, but like new to you. I mean, I don't know. They, you keep them around a couple weeks. It's not like I'm keeping people around and then just, just discarding them. I'm not frivolously dating. I'm dating very intentionally and um sometimes i'm sometimes it comes in rapid succession and sometimes there's long spells where there's no one i'm dating 
Um, but like, so anyways, another one bites the dust. Uh, I don't want to say I kicked another one. I don't want to, I, I don't, what's interesting is that with a lot of the people I've been dating, I think over the last like six months, it, to them, like they're the ones that I'm, I'm sort of forcing people to end it with me. Like, well, you're, you're holding them accountable to know and be able to articulate what they want. Yes. So and if they're unable to, then it's not the right time for either of you to right. be together or to be dating. Right. Because yes. if they don't know what they want and they can't articulate it, I'm not trying why, to you don't talk want to be wasting you into your me. time or their yeah. time. Yeah. I'm not trying to talk anyone into dating me. Um, and I, I have to dive further into why I'm attracting these type of people to me who are sort of like either still on a path of finding themselves or in a weird place like it's probably just mirror of somewhere I am like in the last few months because I've been shifty with like business things and where I'm going to focus my attention next mm -hmm. so it's probably just a reflection of where I am but um yeah the guy I've been most recently chatting mm -hmm. with um kind of checks a lot of the boxes and I mean a lot of them do to be honest with you yeah um checks a lot of the boxes in terms of like things that I'm very interested in right now like mm -hmm. as far as where a person is in their life um he was older than me uh, yeah by like two weeks or three I don't know a couple <laughs> weeks <laughs> which I found very entertaining um but yeah that it was uh I basically had stated like that so I've also decided something with dating in that when I ask a person what their intention is with dating, like what made you join a dating app or like, what are you like, what is your intention with dating? Whenever they say to me to see what happens, mm -hmm. I've decided as a red flag mm. because you, you're not dating with any intention. Like you're not dating with the intention of actually making a relationship if you're just out here to see what happens. And like, I can't remember if this person that definitely the person before said that to me mm. and I was like, Hmm. Okay. And then this guy said something similarly, like, but also told me he wanted a relationship. Like this person actually did tell me he wants to be in like, like a long-term relationship is his goal. Uh -huh. I think the part he left out is it's just not his goal right now. Right. I was going to say it's when like he left out yeah. the timeline. I think it's just not his goal right now. Um, or, and, or he's just not ready for it. I think he honestly, maybe I think, he wants to be ready, but maybe he realized he wasn't like he has kids and he's uh -huh. divorced. And that's uh -huh. like at least three out of the last five guys I've dated so but I'm it was also a recent that. Re, re, it was a recent <laughs> divorce too not as recent as the one guy oh. last year remember that guy was within the like same year I was like oh, oh my god right this is I forgot about fresh. him um <laughs> sorry <laughs> I know I forget about them all the time too <laughs> until something <laughs> pops up in my brain and I'm like oh yeah like, oh yeah I forgot what about, about you? that one guy I went out mm. with a couple times um and that's mostly what most of these people last is like I go out with them a couple of times mm -hmm. and we chat for a while and then it's like and then I sort of like remind them of boundaries and mm -hmm. or like where I am and what I stand for and what I want out of this or what I want out of anything as far as a relationship goes. And eventually they they, they really just see themselves out. They're like, yeah. I'm just not going to be that person for you. <laughs> and so I found it really interesting because I always used to be the one 
breaking up with guys like I say this as if I've had a million relationships but like in the ones that I did have I was always the one walking away but I used to date really broken people as we've talked Mm -hmm. about in the past Mm -hmm. and so I was always the one to sort of like finally rip myself out of those painful situations or be the one ending things or you know I moved across the country one time on a boyfriend <laughs> like <laughs> to be fair when I started dating him I told, told him, him I was already. moving yeah, yeah yeah so um but I was always the one like I was the one who left my marriage and I was always the one to leave and I I just could have had this realization not long ago that like the relationships I'm in now these people are leaving me but it's not that they're it's not a worthy issue. It's that they, they, I've forced them to recognize that they're not where I am. And like, I've set this bar and they're like, I can't do that for you. And that is the point. Yeah. It's kind of exciting for them to determine if they can or not meet you. Yeah. And if you don't want someone who can't meet you. Right. And if there's nothing in between the like chit chat, small talk, which, you know, I'm not that into like I like to have common interests with somebody and have things in common to talk about. But if there's nothing in between that and like you wanting to get naked with me, then I'm sort of bored. Like Mm. I really I want to know if you're not asking me questions like where do you see me fitting into your life? Where like because I want to know where I fit into your life. Like let's say we're dating. Yeah. How do you see this going if we're dating? Like who, you know, like when do you see introducing someone you're dating to your friends? When would you be comfortable meeting my friends? Like those are the things I'm interested in. I'm interested in making someone yeah. a part of my life and vice versa. I want to be in someone else's life. Um, you make a really good point about that. I, in my last relationship, I never asked. Mm-hmm. I never had that conversation. I just naturally encouraged him to meet people in my life mm-hmm. and I always felt like he was not open to that idea mm-hmm. and you telling me like you talking about this I'm like man that's a, actually a really good question or a good conversation to have yeah like a not a blunt conversation maybe no. just like a an upfront conversation to have yeah I like that it's just it's for me it's like gauging your interest yeah. in more than just like are you as excited about hanging out with me yeah out of bed as you are in bed and like I wasn't even sleeping with this last guy but like that's kind of where I put it in my head like are you just trying to check the boxes and get a certain number of dates until you think I'm gonna like hook up with you because I don't have a set number of dates in my head where I'm gonna hook up with you I've hooked up guys on you know first date (laughs) (laughs) hooked up with guys on the sixth date or you know maybe like four weeks in five weeks in six weeks in like sometimes you know whatever things happen differently depending on the person and where you are and what you're vibing that time and like maybe you're both in agreement but like don't this guy in particular was like yes I want a long-term relationship nowhere along the way did he like say I'm not ready for that right now or clearly my life's a fucking wreck and I haven't Mm. his life's not a wreck but he has not (laughs) I don't know if he's gonna hear this he accidentally found the handle so oh um, anyways okay then uh, whatever uh hey there (laughs) (laughs) if you think we're talking about you we probably are Oh, shit. Does it sound like you? Because it probably Does is you. Does it sound like you? Are you non-committal and playing the field? Uh, every fucking guy listening right now is like, oh, shit. <laughs> They're talking about me. Wait, I didn't go on any dates with her. <laughs> 
They're all oh, sweating. Man. They're all sweating. Good. Keep sweating. Yeah. Are you nervous? Butterflies in your stomach? Okay, then. It's you. <laughs> um... <laughs> But like, you know, if you're telling if you're telling me one thing and I'm saying to you, you know, I'm interested in a relationship that's more than sex. Like, I really want to get to know a person. I want a person to know me. Yeah. I want I want to be a part of someone's life. Yeah. And if you say back to me, yeah, the same. Cool. But me like you're still not like there was just a lot of flags that yeah. I was like, I was like, OK, I'm just I'm kind of monitoring this and I'm just going to keep standing really firm here until you you're gonna the other person is gonna spit it out one way or the other they're gonna go i'm so excited to see you like when can i see you again i want to see you like they're gonna make it yeah. personal and they're gonna make it known that it's mm-hmm. me and it's not just somebody like i'm right. not dating to kill time it's like my brother says like you have time but you don't have time to waste and you don't want to waste time um, with the yeah. wrong people i'm not interested in dating yeah. to kill time. i have a lot going yeah. on i have plenty to do in my exactly. own world um i want to make time for yeah. someone and, and that's you, something i've yeah. been very consciously working on for a while is like creating time in my schedule and learning how to be open and available and like authentic and really have these you know have this space in my life for someone who's worth it and who also wants to put the same level of energy into me. And um, yeah, I'm not dating to kill time. I'm not just dating to fucking date. I'm not dating to fluff my pillows, to have somebody like fawning over me. Like, I don't fucking need that shit. Like, I want somebody quality, worthwhile. And I just, I got, this guy had been married for a long time and I just got the impression that he was still kind of like, I, I think I said this to you earlier that I was like, I think he may be thinking that dating is sort of like it was back when he was oh, yeah. actually dating before he got married, like in his yeah. mid 20s. Like dating isn't just a series of hookups no. until you like, I guess, we're in a relationship. A relationship. Yeah. <laughs> like by chance. Mid, yeah. In your mid 20s, that's like sort of the thing you're having fun and you're flirting and you're out drinking yeah. and you're at the bars and you're dancing and like you're hooking up and like and it's just like, I guess I'm dating this person now. Yeah. And that's not what dating is right as you're an adult like yeah two kids in your pocket and a divorce under your belt like dating isn't a series of hookups and dirty text messages (laughs) like yeah at least not with me it could be with somebody else but it's not with me well fuck him i'm just kidding (laughs) i'm sure he'll make somebody a perfectly mediocre partner someday yeah i mean i wish him the best i don't want to say anything shitty about him we wish you the best (laughs) your face <laughs> i don't he was not bad to me oh, he, i know he was, I know. he was kind he yeah. just and was i'm glad that he was, was honest yes instead of I wasting another him. night on a date you know what i mean like yeah yeah so i made it great. very clear that i was not looking to just yeah. hook up with somebody and he was like i am not yeah able to like while he's like while i want a serious relationship like having one right now is just not like i'm not able to do that yeah. and you deserve somebody who can commit to you great and i was like cool Thanks Sweet. for your honesty. Another one bites the dust. Exactly. That's another so funny. I had dust. no idea you were dun, listening dun, dun, dun. to that song. <laughs> but it was literally was in my house like, oh, another one bites the dust. Yeah. But Sweet I was like, feel. you know, this is mm-hmm. again, this is something like over the four weeks of chatting with him that I had been pretty aware of two weeks in. <laughs> and it was more of just a matter of like, I don't know. I, I'm not talking to anybody else. I'm kind of, I've already mentioned him off the yeah. apps. So I... Uh, didn't really care <laughs> I didn't really care what how long it took yeah. him to get there like I wasn't willing to invest anything more than what it was until yeah. I had more 
yeah of yeah. course well there you go another yeah. one bites the fucking dust all bye right bye. i just bye wanted bye. to say the word fucking bye bye now <laughs> bye awesome well um you know i i really liked how you talked a little bit about um well you know how we were talking about the whole communication thing before we got into you having a Oh, yeah. Uh, Communication. Number one. I mean, yeah. And then you and this other person communicated. Me better. But yes, of course. Uh, And so like, I think communication is... It's a competition. I just made it a competition. (laughs) I'm like, I did it better. You did. (laughs) Of course you did. But I... Yeah, it's fine. Um, But I think it also kind of rolls into just um, being mindful Mm -hmm. of what you want i was just gonna say that because i know me you yeah like being you like being aware of what you want yeah and being able to articulate that right mm-hmm. i mean that's that's a main main that's a big theme in a lot of our podcasts and moving past the yes. fear yeah moving past the fear of rejection moving past the fear of feeling the yeah. emotions and yeah. feeling all of the things but it's also allowing your body like being more aware of feeling everything yeah. and uh getting to know your body your sensations and mm-hmm. your mind and uh breaking down some of those barriers that you might even have within your mind to get mm-hmm. to know yourself even deeper and so it kind of segues into our guest this week absolutely who's our guest this week mandy our guest this week is stasia ashna mm-hmm. she's a clinical hypnotherapist and life coach yeah she's literally like all of the things it it, yeah she is and it was such a intellectual um deep conversation that we had with her uh i had a lot of fun just learning i felt very energized during and after because i would agree we had such a great conversation that just flowed about everything from mindfulness meditation yoga um and then hypnotherapy Mm -hmm. talk therapy uh yeah ifs i never heard of ifs Mm -hmm. but i'm really intrigued by it Mm -hmm. now i wrote down uh one of those doctors names that she chatted about and i'm really excited to kind of dive into that i have to finish taking sexy back i'm still working on taking (laughs) sexy back listener okay but jill i'm getting there it's a slow Uh, read it's a slow burn okay (laughs) it's not some sexy bridgerton Uh, novel (laughs) we talked a little bit about trauma and uh, and then past life regression and stuff like that so there's a lot in this episode so we are so excited for you to be with us this week and with uh, stasia ashna yep and so we hope you enjoy the episode yes and thank you for holding a little space for me while i let that go today i think that's one of my favorite things about doing this podcast i think we this community that we've built um does a great job at holding space so yes yes so yeah enjoy and uh have a great night enjoy listener Welcome, Stasia. Thank you for joining yeah, us today. Hello, Stasia. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. We're so happy to have you. So I know you because I met you through Tess, your cousin, and yes. at her wedding last year. And I, when I met you, I, I mean, obviously you're close to Tess, so I know that you're of a certain vibration. I'll say yeah, that I like that way. word, vibration. And because I've casually known Tess, you know, over the last couple of years, so I was like, anybody coming to her wedding and family-wise, I knew had to be pretty special to her and be a certain type of 
caliber person. Um, but I had no idea about this what you did and I mean I knew you were in Chicago I just I didn't know what you did and obviously we weren't um it was like a COVID wedding so it was very spaced out and everybody was kind of you know doing what we do (laughs) sure yeah yeah it wasn't the same sort of wedding experience because of like not as much socializing as nor as there normally would be Right. But it was really lovely to get to meet you and, and also like spoke to you yeah. being there and the caliber of you. So, yeah, it's lovely. Thank you. So you are a clinical hypnotherapist and a life coach. Can you tell us more a little bit about who you are, where you're from? Sure. Your, your story. All right. Yeah. So, well, I live in Chicago currently. Uh, I grew up in Indiana and um I, well, the story is, um, you know, it's like anybody's, it's always like complicated and there's so many, so many different kind of twists and turns, but, um, you know, to make it relevant to what I'm doing, I'll just say that, you know, I, I went through a lot of my own sort of personal traumas and experiences that kind of, um, it gave me a lot of internal stuff to try to work through. And I was able to kind of come to a path in my life where I found really wonderful tools like meditation, like hypnotherapy and all kinds of you know, traditional therapies as well that really supported me and helped me to become a more whole grounded and balanced person. And that has been a very empowering change for me in my life. Um, And as a result of that experience, it really kind of guided me to want to have to to find this desire to really want to be able to facilitate this work for other people. Um, So that's that's a little bit of just kind of a little bit of my path and, and how I got to be where I am. How, awesome. how long have you been, uh, I guess, I'm sure you've been doing hypnotherapy and life coaching for a while, but officially, maybe, maybe is that the right yeah. word? Yeah, officially, how long have you been uh, doing that kind of work? So it's kind of, so it's, so I do, I work with a lot of different tools and I've been doing this for over a decade. Um, but I originally started out by teaching meditation and yoga. I'm a trauma-informed yoga teacher uh, and um, and teaching mindfulness meditation. Actually, my first experience as teaching meditation was when I lived in a, a yoga ashram when I was 21. Oh, uh, wow. So I was, <laughs> yeah, and I was teaching, did I teach yoga there? I think I did. I taught some yoga and some breathwork classes too. So um, so that was almost 14 years ago. Where, where uh, did you live? What is I it I was called? living in an in an ashram. Uh-huh. Uh, so this is like a, it was a, it was a yoga ashram in Colorado, just out okay. in the Rocky mountains. Ooh, that's uh, so cool. It was a pretty interesting experience at 21. It included things like meditating for four to six hours a day. Wow. That's like Buddhist <laughs> monk almost yeah. level type of meditating. How, what brought you like, so maybe we can take it from there and like what led you to end up there at the age of 21? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was kind of, I was struggling a lot um, in my teen years and just kind of trying to find my path. Um, I found books on different sort of meditation techniques and was really fascinated by um, Buddhist meditation and the yogic path. At the time, I was really into my own yoga practice. And I just, um, 
I kind of became obsessed with yoga actually, like tr- like not just the asana practice, which are the physical postures, but the whole philosophy. And I found myself just really wanting to be immersed in that true experience of yoga, which is what the ashram lifestyle is about, because yoga is more than just that physical practice. It's a whole philosophy and way of being and doing life. Uh, so I, I went and had that experience. Uh, and it was... It was at the time, I don't think I had any clue what I was getting myself into (laughs) in terms of like what that level of introspection would kind of force you to confront within yourself. Um, But I'm definitely really grateful that I did have that experience. So that's amazing. And you said trauma informed yoga instructor. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Because that's pretty cool. I don't think I've heard anything like that before. Sure. And I'll just preface this by saying I'm terrible at yoga. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Well, you probably, you probably are great at yoga actually. Cause it's not, I mean, I get like, I know that people, it's so easy to be intimidated by yoga when you look on like Instagram and you look at yoga models, I'm putting that in air quotes, uh, to see people who are doing these like crazy stretches. Uh, but you know, that's, that's, you know, anybody can do yoga, you know, you don't have to be like super flexible or anything. Um, but I, I took a traditional, um, yoga teacher training that was two years and I did that in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And, uh, and then I did multiple, uh, trainings. (laughs) Are you from Michigan? I am. Yeah. Oh, cool. From which part? Uh, I was born in Traverse City, so we lived there till I was about 10, and then the Detroit area, which is where the rest of my family is for the most part now. Oh, lovely. I lived in Traverse City, actually with Tess for, yeah, for uh, like a summer, and I have family up there. It's lovely. Every time, so do I. Every time I go home to to Traverse City, I'm always like, Tess, I'm going to Traverse City. (laughs) (laughs) She's probably like so jealous whenever you tell her that. She always tells me to go to the co-op. She's like, make sure you hit the co-op. Yeah, yep, Oriana. (laughs) We're obsessed. with Oriana. We talk back and forth about like the places to go. It's fun. Shout out to Oriana if anybody is in northern Michigan. Just it was go, go there. <laughs> yes, I loved it. I went there and I posted about them in my stories on Instagram. It was awesome. So awesome. Anyway. That's Sorry, fun. whenever there's a Michigan person oh, and, yeah. and Traverse City <laughs> is you. so kind of uh, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. random. It's Yeah, it's pretty idyllic in the summer. It is. Um, but I did beyond that, I guess, you know, for me, I came from, as I said before, a background of trauma. Um, and as a teenager, I suffered with uh, pretty debilitating anxiety, panic attacks, uh, you know, at the time, undiagnosed PTSD, depression. Uh, and so I really felt drawn to wanting to be able to give this service of yoga to young people. Um, so I found myself, you know, specifically young people who are maybe dealing with a similar sort of situation that I had gone through. So I took multiple trainings um, in trauma-informed yoga, which is essentially understanding how to work with that demographic of people, people who, you know, that that have experienced trauma and that's you know that's a the approach is is different in the sense that there's a different approach of how you use language um what kinds of poses that you actually will will do in a class because you're trying to be extremely sensitive and compassionate to the individuals that are in your class who have experienced trauma um but also being able to give them a tool that could actually really help them to um, sort of manage some of those some of those 
experiences that they're that they're having. It makes me think: Are there yoga poses that, um, how do I say, like open up certain parts of the body, almost like chakras, to release mm-hmm. energies mm-hmm. that you're holding on to about certain experiences? They all do, really. And that's um, so in trauma informed yoga, it take a really gentle approach with that because sometimes it can be almost too much like there are heart openers is is what they call certain like poses like a lot of back bends. Mm -hmm. And this opens up really vulnerable parts of your body where maybe somebody who has experienced trauma isn't quite, you know, um, ready to have that experience. And in a class where maybe you have a lot of people in that class, uh, I would always teach with assistant assistant teachers because sometimes you need to be give, be able to give individualized attention. If somebody is having an experience where something is opening and it becomes unmanageable in the class, that's going to need some um, some care and attention. So we try to be really gentle and kind of ease into poses. So the trauma informed class looks a little bit more like restorative focus, very gentle, not too opening, just kind of just really easy, gentle poses. That's so cool. That sounds really, uh, I don't know. I just, I like the way that sounds. It sounds fantastic. You said, you said restorative yoga. And I remember a few weeks ago, I was doing a restorative yoga class kind of session, but it's different than a lot of the other yoga classes I've taken that you hold the pose for a little bit longer than usual is is what I took from that class because of the restorative nature, being more gentle and really allowing that time to um, mm-hmm. to help. That's what I learned from that restorative. I love restorative classes yeah. for myself. <laughs> use a lot of like if you're in a class and you're taking restorative, there's often a lot of cushions and things that you work with and just kind of laying out in yeah. like really nice. <laughs> gentle supported poses what's the yoga where you like basically just lay there for an hour and they talk you through a meditation you're talking about i think shavasana it's Uh, something like that but it was like the entire class mm, you basically and they covered you up with blankets and you (laughs) had a pillow under your knees and a pillow under you know under your head i can't remember what it was called but i was like this is the best yoga (laughs) i have ever done I bet you were really I, good at it. I was so good at that yoga. <laughs> See, you didn't think you were good at yoga. You're great at yoga. <laughs> it was like an hour of meditation, though. I didn't have to hold a pose. I didn't have to do anything. I just had to lay there and like just relax, just be and, in yeah. it. Well, funny story. That's actually how I got um, really like my my interest in meditation, which has been a daily practice of mine since I was 21 too. Uh-huh. Uh, it it kind of came through the yoga practice because I found myself doing my full asana practice. And again, those are the physical poses. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, I would just want to lay in shavasana, which other people call that corpse pose. So that's yeah. just laying, you know, laying on the floor. I just love to lay there in like this meditation. And I just lay there for an hour in my own, you know, in my home. And I was like, all right, well, I just kind of want to lay in Shavasana. I didn't want to do the poses anymore. And I, you know, it wound up becoming more meditation for me. Yeah. Meditation is something that's pretty awesome. I haven't, I haven't yet incorporated a really strong meditation practice. Mm. I aspire to, I need, I need to create a space for it. And right now my space is in disarray, but I've been trying to incorporate it for five to 10 minutes every morning when I wake up. I thought you were going to say for five to 10 years now. (laughs) Well, actually, (laughs) um, but you know, like in the morning when I wake up, like, you know, uh, 
a lot of people reach for their phone or whatnot. And lately I've been just waking up naturally before my alarm. And so I will reach my, for my phone just to check the time, but then I'll put it away. And then I just lay there probably in corpse pose on my bed though. <laughs> but, um, I do breathing exercises and then I try to meditate, like clear my mind a little bit, but mm-hmm. that's as, that's the extent. That sounds great. I mean, I, I, with clients, I'll, recommend to all of them that they practice some mindfulness meditation. And I recommend just starting with five minutes a day and doing it every day for five minutes. And it's, you know, I think that the five minutes is like, that's gentle. That's pretty, that's usually pretty, um, doable for most of us. And I know, cause I know like sometimes people, they start a practice and they go in and they're like, I'm going to meditate for an hour or even 30 minutes. And that's too much for, you know, a lot of people, uh, who are very busy, maybe they have yeah. families or jobs. So five are minutes. There, yeah. How do you recommend they do that? So again, I, I'm limited by my own lens of what meditation is like. And so mm-hmm. what I've been practicing is just trying to clear my mind of any thoughts and just focus on my breathing and then kind of feel my body, if that makes any sense. Like sometimes like I, I start to feel nerves like throughout my body and trying to release the nervous energy that I have in the mornings. But what, what are your thoughts on those five or 10 minutes that you recommend for people to start with. I love, I love what you're doing. Uh, I think that that's wonderful. So there's a, there's a lot of different approaches and it's going to be really individual, like as far as what works for, for that person. So uh, some people might, first of all, I'll say that the mind, a lot of people expect that the mind's just going to turn off, but the mind will not. That's not what happens in meditation. (laughs) So when that's not happening, don't get frustrated. Know that that's just the mind doing what it does. Um, And, you know, learning how to meditate is just like learning how to learn any new skill. You know, if you wanted to learn how to play piano, you don't just, it takes time and work. And usually we practice it every single day. So that's the same thing with meditation. Um, But doing something like what you're talking about, just focusing on the breath, uh, I will, if I'm telling people to do that, I would say, you know, you can start to notice your belly rise and fall on the breath and just really focus on that sensation in the body. Uh, If you are noticing points of tension in the body, you can start to maybe even imagine that you're breathing into those places of tension and just imagine as on you know the inhale filling it up with even some sort of you could use some visualization and imagine filling it up with some sort of healing light and on the exhale letting it go expelling any sort of tension or negative energy out on the exhale or even just noticing on this noticing the sensation of the oxygen or the air as it flows in and out of your nostrils um, other people might do, uh, find using a mantra to be helpful or an affirmation or even just a word, um, or counting. Um, uh, and then if, if none of these are helpful, also just going on YouTube and finding like a guided meditation that you can listen to is a really great way to start, you know, having somebody else's voice kind of guide you through something is, is often a really great starting point for a lot of people. I was doing that a lot on an app called Insight Timer. Mm -hmm. I was doing a lot of like guided meditations at night. I would play them to sort of like, it was like ones that were meant to put you to sleep. So I would listen to them until I was like off and they don't like, they don't have the little bells at the end. Like a lot of those meditations will have a bell at the end to kind of like, and now we're back. But like these ones were meant to sleep and they would just kind of talk and lull you through and there'd be maybe some nature sounds and 
like there was times where I was just very, very much more stressed than I am today. Well, I was going to say, I was like, some of the guided ones that I've listened to, I get so relaxed that I fall asleep when I don't mean to. (laughs) And then I think that I'm not like, then I feel like I'm not meditating properly because I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. Sure. So there's all types of, you know, reasons why we met, might meditate. And some, some of those, you know, one of those reasons might just be for uh, relaxation, stress management. Um, mindfulness meditation is a little bit more engaged in that we're becoming a witness to our mind. So uh, you start to become the observer of your mind. So some, uh, some folks might imagine that they're just kind of noticing their thoughts, even seeing them on a screen before them. And just, you just kind of keep on pulling yourself. You'll, you'll notice that first you'll, your mind, you'll want to engage with your mind because that's naturally what we do. So as thoughts pop up in your head, you want to like start engaging in those thoughts. But mindfulness is about kind of just continuously pulling ourselves back into this observer or witnessing, um, place with ourselves and, what that does or what that does for us and how that translates outside of the meditation space is that we start to develop this more objective relationship with our mind and emotions. And, and with that, we become less reactive to our thoughts and our emotions. So as, as things show up, which, you know, say you're, you're going about your day and, you know, somebody honks their horn at you and your first reaction is anger. Um, you know, somebody who's practicing mindfulness meditation, they might find themselves uh, finding a bit more of a pause before they react. You know, maybe they don't flip the person off. <laughs> maybe they have a moment to think, okay, what do I want to do with that? Oh, I'm noticing myself feeling angry at that. Uh, so, so that can be a really helpful way for us to just kind of learn to be less um, reactive to our, our mind and our emotions. And, uh, it can be really helpful for people. I like the way you said becoming a witness to your mind. That was, Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think that's something a lot of people, I think you don't think of that until you're told this is an option. Like I don't have to be all of my thoughts. Like I am not (laughs) my thoughts. I, I can just let them be thoughts and go, Oh, okay. It's like a, a level of the, awareness. Yeah. Like, I didn't thanks, mean to interrupt. That's okay. It's like, but. oh, just thanks for that thought. All right. Mm-hmm. And like, let it go by. Like you said, in times when I do meditate, I do often see things sort of on a screen in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's interesting just kind of going, oh, okay. And then letting it go and seeing what comes next. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that can be really empowering for a lot of people. It certainly was for me when I was a teenager and I read a book um, about uh, Buddhist meditation style. And I I had never even thought about this, that I could become objective with my mind. And at the time I was, you know, I was really just struggling with my mental health. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? This is like, it was such a radical idea to me that I could, that I could have this relationship with my mind. Uh, So um, it's been a wonderful journey for me. And it's, it's really cool to see the benefits for other people. And there's been countless studies done on, you know, the benefits of mindful mindfulness meditation that you can Google and find out about. And then sort of tying in with the yoga, it's almost like tying in the somatic experience of it all, Mm -hmm. like where it's presenting for you and what it's trying to tell you and where you can Mm -hmm. work through things. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, again, like a witnessing. Um, I'm studying a psychological model right now called internal family systems. And we really look at the somatic piece in this uh, in this work. And that's kind of noticing in or around your body where your thoughts and emotions show up and then starting to, to just kind of notice that correlation. And, and you're right. Sometimes they also manifest as actual uh, physical symptoms or feelings and sensations in the body. Mm -hmm. And um, when we start to notice them, sometimes uh, those sensations will shift or change just simply by being present and noticing them. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we, I can relate to having experiences in the past, like with exes or people to just, for whatever reason, I'm in a, a, a more anxious state and like, I'll feel it in my stomach. I'm like, oh my God, that makes me sick. Or, you know, um, I like physically can't speak. Like I there is a hand around my throat and I physically can't speak. I mean, this hasn't happened in years, but I can relate and I can remember those things just via work I've done on letting go a lot of things like that. Um, yeah. I can remember that and feeling where it sort of takes over in your body. And it's like, wow, mm -hmm. at the time it's happening, you kind of don't know what's, or at the time it was happening, I should say for me, I had, didn't know that was all tied and how this was related to, you know, just me experiencing those emotions or not experiencing them, not being able to yeah. at the time. Right there and there's a wonderful opportunity there to do some therapeutic work with ourselves if we're starting to notice that there's something that is kind of call i think that's like that's a message that's we're receiving from our body that's like hey you know something's off or i need attention and often we'll kind of ignore those sensations and just kind of push on with our lives and we just kind of ignore them but they don't really go away. So, um, you know, IFS and other tools that I work with are all focused on developing a really loving and compassionate and supportive relationship with our body and mind. So when we start to notice those sensations, uh, we are present with them. And, you know, that could just be simply kind of slowing down your breathing and just kind of noticing the sensation and breathing into that sensation, maybe imagining that you can extend some love and compassion to whatever that is in your, in your body, in your mind or around your body. Uh, and that's some powerful stuff. It's a really different sort of relationship to take with ourselves. And I've found it to be really healing for myself. And it's, it's wonderful to be able to facilitate that for other people and see the shifts. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. I think the last... I would say the last eight weeks have been a little tough for me, and that's why I started the meditating every five to ten minutes every every morning because I would wake up and feel a lot of different sensations, um, some anxiety. I don't want to say anxiety attacks or panic attacks, but I felt very anxious, and I could feel these sensations in my body and use breathing as a way to kind of let it flow through, um, mm -hmm. kind of envisioning it as like energy, and then just breathing to try to allow that, that the tingling sensations to kind of like pass through eventually. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a wonderful practice and, uh, it's a, it's a really simple sort of tool just to work with. It's just, just focusing on the breath and just taking a couple minutes just to be present and quiet with yourself. Yeah. Um, so we I'm talked. a bit of an introvert. If I could have lots of moments to myself every day, it's <laughs> <Same. the best. laughs> 
I am the same way. <laughs> Sometimes I'll close my door for a meeting and I'll just leave it closed for an extra 15 minutes so no yeah. one talks to me. For I, I, I've been there many Ooh. times too. Yeah, for sure. I get that. Yeah, it's a lot easier when you don't have to deal with all those outside variables that know, kind of affect your, your world and environment, right? Feels like cheating. I'm like, I just need a few minutes. Everybody can come in and bombard me in a minute. <laughs> but not, yeah. not sooner than that. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about uh, the yoga practice and the, the meditation. Um, tell us like what the next phase or chapter or what, you know, what, you know, where did life take you after the whole after meditation? After the ashram. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I left the ashram and then decided to actually, you know, do formal study. And I studied psychology when I was in university. And, um, and then I started, I actually did do a two year uh, yoga teacher training. And um, I, so that that was a big part of my journey. And I loved loved doing that. I didn't again, I didn't find like my place was in the traditional yoga setting. I found um, that I I went beyond that and I did these um, trauma informed teacher trainings and have worked at, or not really worked, but volunteered in some drop in centers mm. um, with, you know, teenagers who are uh, some of them were homeless, some of them, uh, you know, were just coming from abusive homes, but that was that was some of the most rewarding work. I uh, loved working with the teens. I want to get back to that. COVID really shut that down, but that's that's just wonderful work to do. Um, and, uh, and then I, you know, I learned about hypnosis when I was 21 from my meditation teacher, who is an engineer by trade, but he was also a master hypnotist. And I, I had no idea when I was, you know, 21, what hypnosis was, I thought about hypnosis, just like everybody does. I just thought of stage hypnosis, that performance hypnosis. Yeah. yeah, like, I had no idea what therapeutic hypnosis was. Uh, so I, so I started, I learned, I learned about hypnosis from him. And then I just started reading books about it and just kind of was in awe of, of this modality and um, went on to take a, a two year study at a school called the Southwest Institute of Healing Arts. Um, that's oh. also where I studied and formally studied life coaching so that I could get my certification in that as well. So, so you're certified oh, in coaching and then mm -hmm. you're also, is it certified hypnotherapist or clinical yeah. hypnotherapist or clinical hypnotherapist um, and then certified through multiple organizations okay. and done, you know, kind of, <laughs> I'm like a junkie for all these, like <laughs> these sorts of courses. So anytime I can just keep on continuing yeah. my education yeah. and trainings An education so junkie, I call myself an education, education junkie. junkie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or I just, in, um, in dentistry, it's a continuing education. So CE, so I call myself a CE junkie. Well, you yeah, just yeah. keep taking classes over and over again. Like not the same ones, but like more and more classes. I love that. Because I've become a little bit like this, like a bit of a self-help junkie. Like I've, in all similar to you, your story, Stasia, like just began with my own recovery, so to speak, and my own healing of traumas. And it's like, wow, this is fascinating. And tell me more and teach me other things. And I, I just, I love hearing about it. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. We're all on the same page with that. It's just so fun to explore and learn new things. It just feels like, like, I don't, 
I just love, I love the experience of, of just kind of acquiring new knowledge and tools and, and growing my toolbox. So, um, and I've been really fortunate to find really wonderful teachers and trainings that really resonated with me. And just, you know, when you find something and you're just like, oh my gosh, like that, I just, it just resonates so well that you're just like, it's so exciting. So yeah. that's kind of where I am with the IFS work right now. And I've been there for the last year. IFS uh, stands for? Internal Family Systems. Got okay, you said that earlier. Got it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it was created by a, um, a psychologist named Dr. Richard Schwartz. And he's been doing this for, I think it's 40 years, wow. um, but it's becoming very popular right now. So um, for some reason in the last couple of years, it's just, I think it's, I know why it's becoming popular. It's because it's so effective, but um, yeah, that's a big piece of my journey right now is, is studying that modality. And, um, but yeah, so, but currently I am, uh, I've been working with hypnosis for the last eight years, actually facilitating hypnotherapy with clients and, uh, and life coaching them. Um, and oh, go ahead. Uh, and then there's been, you know, there've been other, other, kind of forms of, you know, what I've done over the years, like done weight loss coaching, I actually did that with Tess. Uh, and we were, but it was more of a holistic sort of approach to weight loss, where we were really working on adding in the components of, you know, mindfulness and really working with our mind and emotions, because weight loss is, uh, it should be a really a holistic experience. It's really, if somebody is intentionally trying to, to, to lose weight, um, there's probably a lot more going on than just the relationship with food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like that Noom app that's out right now that you hear advertised everywhere. It's sort of mm -hmm. trying to get you connected to why you're eating, what you're eating, what are you trying to internally fix by eating mm -hmm. that bag of chips. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Awesome. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about or maybe help, uh, well, me, I'll include myself in that. Just, uh, you know, earlier you had said that there's a difference between, you know, the stage hypnosis versus um, therapeutic hypnosis. Mm -hmm. Perhaps you can kind of share a little bit about that difference and the goals of therapeutic hypnosis. Sure. Well, stage hypnosis is really for a show and it's just kind of like show that we can influence people's behaviors through suggestions. And um when people see that, it's easy to think that somehow this hypnotist is in control of the audience, but he's not. He's really scanning the room and finding people who are very enthusiastic and want to come on stage. And clearly, like, you know, they're going to take those suggestions because they like the idea of kind of being on the stage. Um, and so it's a show and those are fun. It's just not something that I found myself interested in. Therapeutic hypnosis is all about very intentional and it's about really teaching and empowering people to um, see their mind as a tool and one that they can learn to understand and use and and really dig into their subconscious, understand all the parts of their mind. So digging into the subconscious mind, which is where we store memories, patterns, beliefs, uh, and to understand what's going on in there that's influencing our behaviors uh, our thoughts and therefore our actions and our life and creating our life. You know, 50%, 50 to 80% of our day, we are functioning from our subconscious mind. And most of us really don't really think about like, what are those belief systems and memories that are stored in there that might be uh, unconsciously influencing our behaviors and how we 
see ourselves, how we experience the world. Um, you know, if you're somebody like me who has experienced trauma, then you've been uh, influenced maybe to to have a different sort of relationship with yourself, maybe one that is is not very loving or compassionate. And uh, hypnosis has been a tool that has helped me to really understand what's going on in my subconscious and then help me to heal it. Yeah, because I mean, we all have different things in our past and we, regardless of if you think you've experienced trauma, I mean, I dare you to show me a person who hasn't experienced any trauma. I mean, but like, we all have these traumas that are informing us today. And like our, like you said, our responses, our behaviors, our actions, how we see ourselves, how we see other people, how we're digesting all the information that's coming at us every day. That experience with a car cutting you off with no blinker or whatever it might be. Like everybody's past is going to inform maybe how they respond to that one incident. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by kind of uncovering the things that inform how we behave today. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's a modality that kind of takes us to the root of, you know, whatever it is that we're experiencing. So usually like when people first come to me, they'll come to me with an issue, like, um, you know, they're wanting to, to work with, uh, one thing that I work with a lot is anxiety, but sometimes, you know, somebody might come to me, um, I had a client recently who came to me with insomnia, mm-hmm. uh, and had been into, you know, numerous sleep studies on medication and dealing with this for 18 years and mm-hmm. had never really considered the possible correlations, um, of anxiety and, um, issues from their childhood, uh, and, you know, was really just treating the the physiological piece of it, which is definitely important. But again, there's there was more going on. And um, so the first time I meet with a client, we do I do a full interview with them, and we want to really get a, a good history of what's going on so that we can start to make some connections. And, you know, I'm not interested in putting a bandaid on anything for anybody, I really want them to you know, achieve lasting change. Um, so I guess what wound up happening with this client is we did, we did, uh, numerous, she's still a client and we did numerous, um, hypnosis sessions on the insomnia, uh, which was a deeper issue, like I said. And I mean, after three sessions, this person went from sleeping three to four hours of three to four hours a night to seven to eight hours a night. And I'm wow. not even kidding. Yeah. I mean, it was a huge change. Um, but it was like, it's like there was this block there that yeah. when we addressed it, we shone a light on it and she was able to see, you know, what was going on. It helped her to really clear it. You know, it was like, it was something that she had just never identified before. We did a lot of inner child healing work in the hypnosis sessions together to kind of recover and update that part of her that was kind of stuck in this place in her childhood and pull it and reintegrate it into the present. Um, So yeah, it was a, it was an amazing experience. And that's, so insomnia wound up having a lot of other um, pieces to it for her and we wound up really having a, a cool experience through hypnosis. That's amazing. I, I, from what I understand, hypnotherapy can be a little more, a little faster to sort of give you those, um, 
outcomes outcomes thank you like just a little bit faster than maybe like talk therapy where you might talk with somebody for like three months before your conscious mind is going to kind of get to the the stuff with a person like especially if it's buried super super deep and you're not even really aware what's there could take a long time to talk that out that's really that's a really good point that was my main interest in it because i had been in talk therapy for a long time and i wasn't really i was just kind of not to say that it wasn't helpful because it was it was therapeutic in the sense that it gave me a safe space to talk to somebody and that was really healing for me but i was also noticing that it it wasn't it was yeah it was very slow moving for me and there are other therapy modalities um, as well as hypnosis that might help us to identify things more quickly but hypnosis was definitely one that i found that kind of uh, sped up that process to help me to go deeper, quicker. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was that was something I really appreciated because I was like, I want to <laughs> I want to expedite this, you know, this yeah. process for me in the most gentle and, you know, therapeutic of ways. But I, I really wanted to, you know, to find some change and um, some healing. That's so cool. I love that. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's it is really fun. I am like I was uh I'm a skeptical person by nature, and uh, it even took me a while after I started practicing hypnosis to even truly, like, believe that this could really deliver the results, but it just kept happening. And I'm like, wow, this is is really powerful stuff. So, um, yeah, I really believe in it. It's It's been a really cool tool to work with. And we've heard that from other people. Is this part of the – so I saw on your Instagram – the past life work. Oh, right. Yes. The life regression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So past life regression therapy is a is a, a form of hypnosis that I work with as well. I do age regression, um, mm-hmm. you know, in this lifetime. And then uh, past life regression therapy was something I got interested in. Um, I mean, about the same time I started studying hypnosis. And um, I read some books by Dr. Brian Weiss. Um, he's published um, like his first book, I think is Many Lives, Many Masters. And he was a, a psychiatrist who wound up just kind of falling into uh, past life regression because he was doing age regression hypnosis with clients. And they started one client in particular who he writes about in this book, she wound up clearly going into another lifetime. And he was like, what is going on? <laughs> Uh, and I was just kind of blown away by his books. And I, I just, um, yeah, I read all of them and I had the fortune of being able to go and like go to some of his trainings and then actually formally study it. And it's, it's a really fascinating one as well. Um, sometimes people will make these links from their past lives that correlate into the present uh, that, that, that actually offer a lot of healing. Mm-hmm. Um, they could find that, uh, sometimes it's also just, uh, a, this kind of greater sense of confidence and awareness about who they are and what their purpose is. They start to remember things, um, that they, that they've forgotten. So it's, it's pretty awesome. Oh my gosh. So are your sessions usually like one hour? Can you tell us a little bit about like, if, if let's say, for example, if I were interested in becoming a client, what would my experience as a client of yours be like? Sure. So I I run different programs. Um, I have coaching programs that are three months or six months. uh, And those programs we meet once a week. Uh, We may or may not combine hypnosis depending on what the client is interested in. 
and um, those sessions are an hour. Uh, and then I run four week intensive programs that are hypnosis based. And this is for somebody who maybe is working with one particular issue like anxiety, mm -hmm. or it could be a fear or phobia or something, you know, along those lines, I address a lot of different um, things through hypnosis. And those sessions are 90 minutes. Uh, and again, it's an intensive. So we, we meet once a week for four weeks, I give hypnosis recordings for the client to work with between sessions, so that they can listen to those every day. And okay. this is really about doing some good rewiring. Um, a lot of people think that they are hardwired. You are not. There is something called neuroplasticity. And, you know, yes. through this, like science proves we can actually change our neural pathways. Uh, so, so those are 90 minutes long. And then I offer single past life regression sessions and those are 90 minutes as well. Dude, I want to know what's in my past lives. <laughs> I want to know, know what kind of badass bitch I was <laughs> before I was this one. I'm interested in knowing like my past life and how, like what I've carried from that to this oh, life. Yeah. That's very um, noble of you. No, no, not like in a good way or bad. Like just like how does those experiences shape have, have shaped me or like, you know, yeah. determined how I, you know, like I grew up Buddhist. My family is Buddhist. And so like mm -hmm. I, I am That's familiar funny. with some of this stuff. Um, I'm not. How lucky are you to Buddhist grow up with that? Now, but, yeah. yeah, but to even so have that like in your, this. yeah, to even have that like in your family's history is is so cool. I mean, I love Buddhism, so that's I I kind of envy that. Uh. <laughs> even I mean, I would I would assume that they you know that things like meditation were not like a scary topic for someone like you. No, and my mom taught me some medit meditation at. at uh, when I was younger as well. Mm -hmm. And sometimes like she uses meditation a lot now. That's really neat. Uh, so I'm open to the idea. I just uh, have never made as, as an adult, I have not made enough space in my life for that, but I'm becoming mm -hmm. more aware and mindful and purposeful, intentional about trying to, that's, that's the first great. step I think for me, just trying. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's the first yeah. step for all of us. It, I mean, I grew up in a you know, a different sort of culture where my family thought I was a total weirdo for meditating. So yeah, that's why I say I, I like, I envy that experience yeah. where, you know, something that you were encouraged to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember being, you know, uh, having meals with my family members and we talk about uh, maybe something that happened today and they'll say like, I wonder if, you know, this is related to a past life and, you know, hmm. the, you know, Talking about like how some things you face in this life is a result of something that happened in a past life. And sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, you're either making amends or you've, you know, you made a mistake in the past life. And so now this it's presenting as a second or another chance or another opportunity for you to learn what you didn't learn in a past life. I think every single time I facilitate a past life regression session, there's always those connections. Uh, and sometimes they're really abundant. Um, like it, I mean, you know, I can't give away uh, too many examples, but, you know, I've had people clear up like all kinds of traumas and uh, habits that they carried over into this, into this current life that they couldn't really explain. Like, why am I, you know, why am I finding myself having this belief or this tendency or this behavior? And they just couldn't make any correlation in this current lifetime. And then they set the intention to kind of understand that. And all of a sudden everything started to connect for them. Mm. Uh, and it, 
and they found it changing the course of their life uh, after that session. So in a, in a positive way. Uh, so it's a really powerful tool. I, you know, I've, I had a past life regression session in Taos, New Mexico when I was 26. And um, that was, that was my first time ever receiving it. And that kind of made me a believer in it because I, I had such a powerful session. That was one of my questions. Do you find, I mean, I would imagine that a client would reach out to you and they would be open to it, but are there challenges? Do you find that there are certain, some, some people that may not uh, benefit or maybe it's harder to achieve the desired outcomes based on, you know, their level of openness? I'm not really sure. Like sort of like as they're going through other therapies, do you find you're suggesting the past life? Is that what you're asking? We'll go with that question. I'm not really sure. I guess like are there challenges as a client like um, to getting results? I think I understand what you're asking for sure. The answer is, um, you know, I explain if somebody's coming in for hypnosis or even if it's just life coaching, I don't do hypnosis with everyone. And, you know, past life regression is a therapy that's really, you know, something that is very particular and and some people are looking for that or some people are really not interested in that at all. Um, But for anybody who's coming in to work with me, um, you know, we can impede our, our experience as much as we want to, you know, you have to, I, you know, I, as the therapist, it's my job to make sure that I develop a rapport with the client where they feel comfortable and safe and supported and uh, encouraged to open. And, you know, we're really clear about what the goals are and making sure that it's therapeutic. But if, um, you know, if they're really questioning the experience and, you know, really like just doubting it the whole time, then it's, you know, they might not allow themselves to go into the depths of their subconscious, for example. You know, I um, there's a saying that all hypnosis, like if we're working with hypnosis, for example, there's a saying that all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. Mm-hmm. So um, I am not a mind, I'm not controlling anybody's mind in a hypnosis session. Uh, your hypno, Your subconscious mind will uh, protect you. So if you're not ready to go somewhere, your mind won't go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where, you know, if you want to receive a therapeutic benefit, it's, it's not, we don't want to push you beyond your limits. If you're not ready to go somewhere, that's totally fine. And I will support that. But, um, I also try to encourage people to just kind of allow themselves to have an experience and to be open as much as possible, um, as much as feel safe and, uh, and we usually, people usually allow that. I've, you know, I, most people open up pretty quickly and they're like, if they're coming in to meet with me, they're ready and looking for some change. Yeah. I think while you were talking, the word ready came to my mind. I mean, like you almost, I mean, they talk a little bit about, uh, you know, adults in, in educational theory, adults can't learn until they feel like they're ready to learn. Mm-hmm. And so I would almost think it's the same way. I, while you were talking, I was thinking, well, you almost have to be ready to experience what it is that they want to experience with you as their therapist. Kind of like with talk therapy, you can go to talk therapy or you might be forced or mandated to go to talk therapy Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. But if you're not ready to experience it, it's going to prevent you from achieving what, you know, what, what is necessary or, you know, what the goals are. So you almost have to be ready. 
And, and if somebody is coming in and they have, they're not ready and there's, you know, may, and usually there's, I like to say this is, um, there might be polarity. So somebody might have parts of them that are like, yeah, I'm ready for this. And then they might have parts of them that are like, uh, no, what are we doing here? And that's really normal. I have that. Uh, you know, it's, that's a polarity. It's like this kind of mm. tug of war internally that we might have where like, we think, you know, there's a part of us that just wants to go into it. And then there's parts of us that are not wanting to do that. And in that case, we might want to start to work with and focus on the parts of the person that are saying like, no, you know, this doesn't feel safe. And we want to make sure that we're giving attention. We don't want to just bypass those parts of anyone. And um, we want to give attention to that and understand, well, how did those parts of this individual develop? You know, mm -hmm. likely they're trying to keep that person safe is, you know, really to understand and befriend your system. I call, I'm referring to, you know, our in uh, our inner world, our psyche is our system, uh, mm. to understand that it's all looking out for us. And if we have any sort of um, defenses or resistance to doing that work, it's probably because um, those parts of us are trying to keep us safe. They might be scared. And we want to make sure that we address all of that first. Uh, definitely am not interested in creating any more trauma for anyone through, you know, moving too quickly. So I try to keep it really gentle with people. Yeah. I like that. Huh. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit interested um, in IFS and just kind of hearing what integrated family systems is internal? about. Oh, I'm sorry. Inter yes. Is it internal? Sorry, I didn't mean to. Mm -hmm. No, sorry. you got it. Inter <laughs> well, that was my next question that, uh, that I was going like, to ask. Integrated because, all of these uh, modalities yeah, in, integrated we, <laughs> is in my head. Uh, it was one of my last questions that I wanted yeah. to ask uh, Sasia because it mm -hmm. seems like you're really passionate about this. You're I doing know. coursework on it. You've mentioned it a few times already, so I figured it might be a good ending point or if there's yeah. any other topics that you'd like to talk about but definitely touch on the um, internal family systems like our family systems are or structure are, is our first source of information for all of yeah. these things in the world and it's how to really fascinating interact with the world around us and right so this is understanding you as having as an individual an internal family system oh. so um the yeah and I, I can't help but talk about it because I'm so immersed in it. I'm taking all this coursework. And so, and it has a whole language to it. Um, so it's hard not to talk in IFS language. Uh, but it's, so the, the premise of it is that we all have what is called self energy. And this is sort of like our, this is like our observer self, you know, that we access in, in mindfulness meditation. That is um, a part of us that is conscious and embodies things like compassion and um, love and consciousness and all those things. So uh, then, then there we have all these subparts of our personality. And these are parts of us that developed in response to different experiences that we had in our life. Um, and those parts are divided into protective parts and exiled parts. And the exiled parts of us are kind of like the most, um, they're like the, the parts of us that might be carrying some of the, the deepest wounds. Um, they're usually parts of us that develop in childhood. Um, so when we talk about trauma, those exiled parts of us are usually carrying some of that trauma. And then the protectors are, uh, there's, they get more specific. I won't go into how those are divided, but those are parts of us that are protective in nature and they might have different defense mechanisms like, um, you know, 
managing our life. And, you know, maybe you have a planner part of you that's just really good at just, you know, keeping everything really planned and organized and that keeps us feeling safe. That's a protective part. And it's ultimately trying to support and probably protect exiled parts of you. Mm-hmm. So it's just sort of a, it's a, it's a great uh, modality for understanding and mapping your, you in a way that gives you this really like beautiful object, objective map of your whole psyche to understand what's going on. Uh, and it really helps us to engage with ourselves in that, um, from that observer place where then we also are able to give to all those parts of us and uh, extend that compassion and understanding to all the parts of us and see that they all developed like any anything that we're doing, any part of us um, developed in response to uh, some, some experience in life and um, is ultimately trying to support us, but it might be kind of stuck in the past as well. And that's where we want to kind of reintegrate it and update it and bring it into the present uh, and make it sort of um, more embodied with consciousness. Mm-hmm. Active. In my I head, like, the word yeah. active came to mind. Like, you know, in, you know, it's. Uh, I like the word update. Yeah. Like it makes me think of software and we're going to update this and we're going to make it a little more <laughs> we're leveling conducive. Up. We're leveling oh, up. I yeah. love that. Yes, that's actually perfect. It's like updating your software. Like, yeah. all right, we're no longer living in 1986. Let's bring that up right. into 2021. Yes. Here we are. We're not living in your parents' house. Yeah. You're like, you're in this, you know, this whole other space and look at life now. Yeah, you're not that helpless child. You (laughs) are an adult now. You get to make decisions. And I really like that whole mapping the psyche, like bringing awareness to all of these Mm -hmm. parts of you and like then being able to see which ones are more submissive and which ones are more dominant and having an understanding and an empathy for yourself in Mm -hmm. when those when you are being more submissive in some of those character traits or like parts of yourself and um, just being able to better understand that and go, oh, like it just all it's all screaming awareness to me. And it's like. Exactly. And I think uh, the part about like once you are more self-aware and then you practice giving yourself compassion and kindness, like if you are the first person to do that for yourself, you don't necessarily need it from other people. But what happens is you're because you give it to yourself, you're also able to accept it easily or easier from other people when they give it to you. Sometimes you feel like maybe you don't deserve it. If you're not giving it to yourself, you can't receive it from other people. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to be able to kind of give it to yourself, but also learn Mm -hmm. how to receive it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's all really well said. Yeah, uh, it is a very compassionate approach to take with ourselves. Um, I notice, I mean, I think everybody is way too hard on themselves. Uh, (laughs) You know, this life experience is difficult. Um, so something like this is just taking a more gentle and loving and compassionate perspective with ourselves to see like, you know, we're really, uh, (laughs) there's a lot going on there. Like for, for all of us, like we're very complicated and dynamic beings. And, uh, and I think that real healing comes when we start to extend a lot of love, compassion, understanding to ourselves. And then you're right. Once you have given that to yourself, it changes that relationship you have with yourself where then you're, um, you are, you kind of, you don't tolerate like yeah, poor behavior. You, start, you stop accepting less. 
Yeah. yeah. Like that doesn't feel good anymore. Cause now you have this whole other, like higher relationship with yourself where you're kind of more attuned to feeling good. You know what that feels like. Cause you're giving it to yourself. And so when it doesn't, when it doesn't vibrate or resonate at that frequency, you're like, Hmm, well, I don't, I don't know that I like that. And you probably also might be able to see, you know, if somebody is, isn't giving you that, you can also see their limitations mm -hmm. with compassion as well and see like, okay, that's where they're at and that's okay. Yeah. Once you've remapped and rewired those things for yourself, mm -hmm. it does become really prominent when you're around somebody who has maybe some more toxic or just unhealed behavior, behaviors, behavior patterns, in general, you're like, Ooh, I need to take a step back from this. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a really healthy thing to learn is kind of setting those boundaries around like what boundaries is a really key word. There is yeah. um, boundaries for all of us. It's just kind of learning to identify like what, what feels right for us and, and being able to see people clearly and honestly, and, um, you know, not trying to change people, but loving and accepting them for where they are. And, and then also like knowing what we need and being able to identify our needs. And, um, so it's all just about like developing more of like a loving caretaking approach with yeah. yourself. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. That. Well, thank you thank so you. much for, uh, for joining us tonight. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us? Uh, I guess I'll just say that if anybody is interested in learning more about my work, they can come to my website uh, and it's www.stasiaashna.com. Uh, I do offer 30 minute uh, free coaching consultations. If somebody is interested, they can apply on my website and um, you know, that's for any of my services that I offer. If you're interested in learning more about them, it's a great opportunity to see if it's the right fit. Uh, and I'm also really active on Instagram and it's just stasia.ashna. They can definitely, you can visit me there and DM me. I love uh, getting messages from people. So thank yeah. you so much for having me. We will definitely be putting your website in our descriptor for the podcast. So anywhere people are listening, they'll be able to find your website and we'll be um, tagging you and sharing some stuff about you uh, to go with this episode as it airs so people can find you on Instagram. I personally love your Instagram. I think it has all Thank sorts you. of fun things. Um, good quotes. You had a good Ralph Emerson one on there today. And I, I'm always just like, oh, and you know, sometimes you see these things all the time and certain days they just hit a little harder than mm -hmm. others. And it's like, oh, needed that today. Like, yeah, that hits different. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I mean, I have the same experience on there where like, sometimes I'll just, I follow people that post really inspiring things. And sometimes it just, yeah, it just hits and kind of, it can even shift my whole perspective for the day. So it absolutely can. Yeah. Call For me sure. down or fire For me sure. up. Like yeah. things just will come in as they're supposed to. So thank you mm -hmm. so much for yeah. sharing your light with us today. We this really was, enjoyed uh, have, spending time with you. It was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, really thank you so much. I enjoyed it as well. Um, everybody, uh, please check out the descriptor and uh, find more about yeah. Stasia. All right. Have a great night, Stasia. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right, that was a super awesome episode. I uh, I think one of my favorite parts was just learning more about meditation 
and uh and then the whole uh, therapeutic hypnosis and what that you know what that means miley i liked knowing that your family talked about meditation and past lives at the dinner table that's so fucking cool yeah actually not until this uh this uh, interview did it did it really occur to me it's actually like my mom talks about You're past like, oh, lives a lot actually this is day. actually yeah i was like ah, oh, interesting I guess there's a lot about me that I don't even know. <laughs> like I'm you not know, aware. I'm not used to sharing or it's, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, but working on it. What it's was your- odd. I thought it was odd that I was like, I'm native American and my fucking family ain't talking about no oh, past yeah. lives. No, and we- you, and like, I was thinking as we were talking about, I think somehow religion, you know, Buddhism and things mm-hmm. like that came up. And I thought I've always, so my, I don't want to say whitewashed, but my family, like my mom and my grandmother, like a lot of them were Catholic raised. And like my mom sort of attempted to put my sister and I into church with my dad's mom. And I never really vibed with Catholicism, any of the Christian things, like, I don't know. But, uh, and I always just attributed that to my heathen roots. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, you heathen. <laughs> godless heathen. Um, but it's, yeah, definitely more about, it's just about something different for me, I think, yeah. than yeah. than what the, the books are telling us. So mm. um, I really liked it. There were a lot of good takeaways. And I, um, I'm going to make a note to myself to get a little bit better about meditation as mm, a result. Yeah. And maybe maybe do a little more corpse pose here and there. <laughs> I'm really good at that. <laughs> we should do uh, like, just lay we here. should, we should do a corpse pose, take a picture of it and post it on our Instagram. Wait, so just like lay on the ground with yeah. no one on you. Okay. Got it. <laughs> uh, where can our listeners find us, Mandy? On Instagram yes, at please. the main dish podcast on Facebook at the main dish pod. And I'm not even going to talk about Twitter because none of you do it anyways. <laughs> Well, uh, I think everyone should just jump on Twitter and uh, don't worry about Twitter it. Just us up on, on Instagram. We're way better on Instagram. We are way better. But anyways, see you on the gram. See you uh, and talk with you next week. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Love you. Love you too.